The InStuff podcast is sponsored by ScratchBand. Just stop touching your face. Don't make me explain why anymore. It's gross. I don't care if you buy ScratchBand or come up with some other way to do it, but just quit. I mean, it's the easiest way I've found to quit touching my face, but, you know, whatever works for you. ScratchBand, join the evolution. More information at scratchband.life, also available on Amazon.com. How are you? I'd like to go back and listen to all the podcasts and see how many of them start with you laughing because there was a whole thing that happened beforehand. That, <laughs> And also how just funny I find it that I, I, I very much enjoy how weird you find the podcast recording process. <laughs> Every time, because it's just so oddly formal to you. It is. Well, it? it's funny for a number of different reasons. One We've been talking for, what, at least 30 minutes. Uh, basically an hour. Yeah. <laughs> or an hour before we started this. Mm-hmm. So we've already said hi. So you feel like it's a giant lie that we're pretending like this conversation just started? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Lying make, makes you laugh? Is, does the formality make you laugh too? Like if I was like, good afternoon, Miss Buffard. Oh, gosh. Pleasant yeah. pleasantries to you. <laughs> yes. That's extremely I, d- I do have my gentleman's book. Gentleman, that sounded bad. How to Be a Gentleman book right here. A Contemporary Guide to Common Courtesy, hmm. which I was reading to you from before. Oh, which reminds me, I have a little gentleman quiz for you. <laughs> okay. It's it's more of a, uh, like, I guess, social propriety thing. So this is something I think you won't have any problem with because you experience this a lot in Fairbanks. You pull up to a party that has a um, valet service and you, 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 you pull up to the front door and it's your turn. Here are your three choices. You tell me what is the appropriate way to behave. <laughs> you preface this as being in Fairbanks. This happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You pull up in your, you know, 1976 Ford plow truck like I used to drive. <laughs> And it's valet service, and you're like, uh-oh, what do I do? Okay, so imagine a male and female couple. Uh, does the male get out, hand the keys to the valet, and come around and open the door for the woman? A. B, do both people just stay in the car and wait for the valet to open their doors? Or C, does the, um, does the man get out of the car uh, himself, but wait for the valet to open the door for the woman, which, wait, I forgot D, what my choices were. D, none I of the above. <laughs> Dang, this is supposed just... to be a fun quiz, and I think I screwed it up. <laughs> I think I didn't give the right answer. I think everybody just gets out of the vehicle, and you hand the keys to the valet, and everybody gets on with their day. Technically, what you're supposed to do is sit in your car and wait for the valet to open the doors for you. It takes so long. Isn't that weird? Yeah, everybody has, assuming everybody in this scenario has arms, they can just open their own doors and get out. 
Right. Yeah. That does certainly add a complication to driving if you don't have arms. I think you got bigger problems than valet service at that point. It does remind me of a really, a really interesting moment when I took a uh, Mexican exchange student on a date to a dance in senior year. Oh. And we pull up to, I believe it was the restaurant, and stop, and she doesn't, she isn't getting out of the car, and I'm sort of, and she's like not moving, and there was a moment of like where I wanted to ask her like, is everything okay? And thank goodness it dawned on me she's waiting for me to get out and walk around and open the door for her. Oh, geez. Yeah, which I can't believe I, as a, you know, 17-year-old, I had any concept of that. <laughs> but to this day, I'm like, whew, that was a close call. You almost blew that one. <laughs> I have, I don't think I've ever since then had a woman just, little, without saying anything, just wait in the car for me to get out and open her door. Yeah. Most women don't know, know what I'm doing when I try and open the door for them. They're like, why are you going to the passenger side? I'm like, I'm opening the door for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have you hands, want me to I drive? Open the door. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how was your uh, last week? No, it's fine. I thought there was another quiz. Like, are there more questions or is that just the one question? It was the only one I came up with. Oh. I don't know. Do you want, you want more gentleman quizzes? <laughs> I was just expecting something longer. <laughs> no that that was it. it i tried to make i had this whole idea of doing it in my head but then i f- i think i forgot to put the writing i can't remember i screwed it up <laughs> it's an interesting scenario to think about because zero times in fairbanks have i ever encountered anywhere with valet parking right <laughs> i think i only did valet at the hospital one time it might have been included with it was like free with your you know colonoscopy you got a valet service i know i don't remember what the deal was but i think it was like the one time i had valet service and i'm sure i just hopped out and gave him the keys and stuff but they just wanted to make sure you didn't get back in until you're awake again yeah right (laughs) um yeah so anyway that's the one gentleman but we could have more gentleman quizzes that can be a routine part of this if you like sure (laughs) (laughs) be prepared to learn how much of a gentleman i am (laughs) right Anyway, this is being pulled from the How to Be a Gentleman, a Contemporary Guide to Common Courtesy by John Bridges. Granted, it was written in 1998, so 23 years ago. I could use some updating. There's no technology etiquette included in this book. Only email etiquette, and it talks about don't write a bunch of short, dumb emails. It says make sure to write a subject line that is relevant, and it says don't email people outside of business hours. Oh, the thing that... It was like most interesting was it's like don't send personal emails while you're on the job. No. It's like, well (laughs) I have something else to add to that actually. Yeah. Which would save everybody a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. Put the thing that you want Mm -hmm. from the email Mm -hmm. in the first paragraph and ideally the first sentence. And then if you need to expound on it, expound on the rest of the email. Don't make everybody read to the end. It's like trying to find a hobo wandering around in the dark. It's terrible. You know, I was kind of confused about what you meant by that. So I'm glad you mentioned the finding a hobo in the dark because that really illuminated, (laughs) no pun intended, your trauma really clearly. I was like, I don't really get what she means. Oh, it's like trying to find a hobo in the dark. Mm -hmm. Now I understand. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Should we have a moment about email etiquette? Because I got some too. Really? You have more? Um, yeah. If you're emailing a bunch of people, BCC them so that when someone replies, they don't reply to everyone. So if it's a group of more than like, I don't know, four or five, especially if there's no reason for them to want to communicate with each other, BCC. Definitely that, but also some people get sensitive when you BCC them. They're like, how come you didn't want everybody to see who's who's included? Oh, I've never had that. Just a heads up. So I mean, it's smart not to share yeah. email addresses, but be prepared also. Some people are sensitive. I think anyone I would email would have no clue that they were BCC'd and would have nothing, <laughs> no idea what was going on with that. Why did Rob send this email to himself? I've never had that. Yeah. Um, I had someone one time tell me that because they sent me an email about it, I had, it was, therefore I, I agreed to the terms of the email. That was one of the craziest ones. <laughs> this person like a month later was like, oh, I sent you an email about that as you know, and I was like, well, were they just delegating you work to you? Me an email. I don't remember what it was. It was something down those lines. I was like, just because you sent me an email doesn't mean it's some sort of contract. No, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, I got more. A lot of them I violated myself, but <laughs> so that's why I don't want to talk about them because it sounds really <laughs> hypocritical. But I mean, also just keep it short. I like to do the little like spaces between paragraphs to make it more readable too. I do that. Just so I agree, it should make your email scannable. Mm -hmm. And if I do need to expound on something, usually I have like the short story and I'll label label it at the top, and then I have the long story labeled, and it just is like five paragraphs of things that people will end up not reading anyway. <laughs> and always check you attached what you say you're going to attach, mm. or attach it before you write the email. But oh man. Yeah, I could go on and on. But the one that probably gets me the most is when someone sends an email out to 100 people not BCC'd about something, and then one, which happened just like a few weeks ago, and then one person writes back, you know, like, what's this all about? Or like, <laughs> you know, but we all get, you know, you think of the, the combined waste of time that that is of 100 people all having to read and delete an email. Right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's been an exciting tech week for me. So I feel like I was waiting for you to ask me how my week was, and you I couldn't get in you, word in edgewise, and you weren't picking what I was putting down. So <laughs> I got the prescription lenses for my Echo glasses. That's exciting. So yeah, we'll have to do a review on them. Um, the that's the good news. So I can actually wear my Echo glasses. So Alex is going to be in your head. Yes, and that would be pretty awesome, except that it's so unpleasant for people I call because of the echo, because I called you with them. There was a and little And you said there's like an irritating echo, which is really hard to talk when you hear yourself talking back to yourself. Yeah. So that's a pain. But what was cool was I turned my TV on with my glasses. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. And technically, I can like start my car or warm up my bed with my glasses. But it has one of those stupid... Pr pr proprietary metal or magnetic charging cables oh no and i don't know where i put it because oh, no. i got these got them like two months ago or something like that and had to wait forever to get the prescriptions and so now i can't find the stupid thing to charge it like why don't they just make it a little micro usb or something yeah that would make a whole lot more sense so anyway got to find that cable 
Uh, I got <laughs> a bunch of exciting things in the mail today from Wish. Are you familiar with Wish? Yeah, but I didn't actually think you can order things from them. I just thought that that was like some sort of scam on Instagram where you click on the ad and they collect your email address and then sell your email information. It's really close to that. Oh. Because the stuff they sell is mostly crap. Oh, gosh. This, for example, I was super excited about is a smartwatch with a camera on it. Oh. And they advertise it, and we'll do a review of this at some point. It looks too. like something Get Smart would wear. Yeah. It, it they advertise it as a watch that you can do uh, video conferencing on your watch. So that's why I jumped at it. I was like, oh, man, because I know the Apple Watch will never do it because it's kind of gimmicky. Maybe someday, but I, I really doubt that Apple's ever going to put a camera in their watch. I feel like they would have done it by now if they're going to. I'm wondering, like you maybe know, they put it behind the screen and just didn't tell people and they're just watching everybody. Well, yeah, because... Anyway, Apple, anyway, I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> but the camera, so they got pictures on the list. So, hey, you can buy from Wish. It's just like Amazon of China, and it takes six weeks for anything to arrive, and a uh -huh. lot of it is junk. Oh. And a lot of it seems cheap until you add the shipping, and then it's not. And then some of it is just straight up, like, ripoffs of, of brand name products. Like, they have a lot of, if you want some, like, cheap ripoff legos you can go on wish oh my gosh yeah they have exact copies of scratch official band. lego sets nothing of scratch band yet because it hasn't been worth their time but maybe anyway i was super excited about this thing and it was like eight bucks i don't remember what shipping was probably i can't believe seven. that was eight bucks yeah and so you can like slide through and it's super ghetto it looks like one of those um maybe 90s flip phone type interfaces Wait, did you, you crack say? it no what is that smear in the middle of the screen? Um, I don't know if there's like another layer of screen protector on. I already pulled one layer off. It looks like there's like oh, this little squiggle in the Now I'm in, in flight center. mode and I can't. Oh, that no, that's the background. Oh. <laughs> it looks like it's broken. <laughs> anyway, so you can like Bluetooth connect it to your phone. I thought, you know, for whatever it ended up being, 15 bucks. Right. It would be worth it just for the cool factor of being able to have a conversation on your watch i just wanted to be able to do that that would be cool well i get it and then i realized that the camera is pointed almost straight off the top so like for it to point at my face i have to tilt it this far down which is about 45 degrees down so it's oh. basically pointed at my waist for it to be pointed at my face yeah it looks like you're shooting at your crotch yes it looks like i'm <laughs> it's not right. like my crotch wants to know what time it is basically <laughs> uh, you finish that joke on your own and um so i could barely see the screen and i'm upside down <laughs> <laughs> oh my word so the camera is only good if i'm wearing it it's only like to point it horizontal i have to tilt it probably 20 degrees away from myself and then so it's only good for like taking creepy pictures or something. Oh. And then I pointed at you. I, so I can this, see myself on the screen. This is, oh yes, yeah, so you can tell I'm taking a picture of you? Mm -hmm. Well, I won't. But uh, I'm taking it with my other thing I'll tell you about. But um, <laughs> so it's totally, total misrepresentation. That's that, such a weird place it's, for a camera. It's, I know, like why, why would you advertise it as a camera that's going to be pointed you know, that you could use that. So I tried flipping it around. Mm -hmm. How is that? And now I can see my face. But again, I have to tilt it like this is easily 
almost 90 degrees away, probably 70 degrees away from where my face is. So at least I'm right side up now. So is this supposed to be more like a spy camera kind of deal? That's what I'm guessing. But they advertise it as you can do your own like conferencing. But I think I think it's for perverts. Oh. That's now what I'm wondering. I like that you whispered that. Perfect. <laughs> I take, I mean, also you have to take the back off, remove the battery to insert a micro SD card for it. Ooh. It does have a spot for a SIM card. So you could That's use nice. it like a phone. Um, but but it makes you grateful for everything that actual smartwatches have because you, if you tilt your hand up, like nothing, it has no idea that you want to know the time. So you have to push the button every time you want to see the time. <laughs> Just like a regular, a regular watch. So no, it's not like a regular watch because a regular watch shows you the time. Well, I mean, this one is just black. <laughs> this is how long ago I've actually worn a watch. You had to actually hit a button for the light to come on. Oh, right. Yeah. To see the face. Yeah. So also, if you wanted to use that, you couldn't wear the watch that is actually doing valuable things for you or else you'd have two giant watches on your hand. Yeah. So for this to be if useful, I would have to ditch my Apple Watch. And so that... Yeah. Um, this to me is a toy for like a seventh grader. Yeah. You know? I can see that. Um, I don't know. I haven't gotten very... I literally just got it like a couple hours ago. But that was the main thing I wanted to test was can I video conference off my watch? And the answer is maybe in a super duper lame way. How many hours of recording, minutes of recording will it do? Well, that's a good point. Does it even do video? So far, I've only taken pictures. Uh, if I go to options, camera settings. Also, it, my follow-up question is... It doesn't It doesn't do video as far as I can tell. It only takes pictures. Oh, weird. It does have a sound recorder. Anyway. The live meeting option then, is. did you do that? Is it a proprietary app or is it through um, like Google Meet or FaceTime or what? Um, my guess is it's through Bluetooth to your phone, but I don't know. Okay. I haven't gotten that far and it's so lame, but it has some funny things here like (laughs) (laughs) anti-lost. Anti-lost. WhatsApp is by default installed. Twitter's quick response. I don't know what that is. It looks like a QR scanner. It is. It's a QR code. (laughs) Anyway, so we'll do a review of. I don't even know what this thing's called. I'm curious when we do these these tech reviews. I'm excited to do one because we haven't mm-hmm. done one yet. Yeah. So that's lame. But on positive <laughs> note, my $18 life logging camera that I got from Amazon came. And this thing is awesome. It's not as good as the narrative clip that I had before. But it's like $180 cheaper. So when I showed up today, you had this blue square attached mm-hmm. to the collar of your shirt. Right. And I was prepared because you said you were you had your life locking camera. Yeah. But it definitely announces itself. It announces itself a lot more than the narrative clip does because it, it comes with either a blue or a red like silicon cover. The body itself is white. What's really irritating is it blinks a blue light every time it takes a picture. I noticed. So that's kind of irritating, especially when it gets dark out. 
Huh. Like, I'll be sitting watching TV and you see, like, blue flash, blue flash. That's annoying. So that's annoying. It makes me want to put a little hammer in there and, like, tap out that light if I can. <laughs> uh, it does have a button so you can push to take a picture. And I think it makes a little noise. And I heard a noise. the blue light flashes. And I believe you can push and hold for video. It takes up to a 32 gig micro SD card. And by default, it sets, I think it's by default. It just seems to be doing it without much trouble. It, it does a time lapse. The downside of this too is that unlike the narrative clip, it doesn't stop when it sees black. So you have to literally turn it off if you want it to stop taking pictures. Hmm. The narrative clip would stop, so you'd only end up with like decent pictures. This, when I download it to my computer, it'd be like you know a whole bunch of black pictures. I just have to go through and delete. So it's a lot more maintenance. You get a lot more junk. And it might it might turn out to be good in the end if you have like a late night home invasion and you didn't have time to turn your lights on until like the last minute when something exciting happens. You're you're great at finding a silver lining. <laughs> Technically, I have the the blink cams but i didn't realize you have to have a subscription if you want them to record video automatically oh. which is lame so that's how the nest camera is yeah yeah i don't understand why it can't record even just a little bit of video like throw a, a micro sd card in them or something i don't know i agree it's just clear they want to i think it's like four bucks a month per camera so it's not that bad right but come on Yes, yeah, freaking Amazon. <laughs> what else? Oh, like... I got my new NFC ring. I almost flipped you off because it only fits on my middle finger. <laughs> so what is your M NFC ring? What is it doing for you right now? Um, Just being blue and sitting on my finger because it doesn't work with my phone either. What? I can't find an NFC ring that is strong enough to be read by my phone. Let's, let's also mention that you have an iPhone. I have an iPhone. Okay. Do you want to try it on yours? Yeah, actually. So, I don't, I don't know that I have NFC turned on right now. Oh, okay. Well, if it I'll doesn't doesn't work, but I'm very irritated. If anyone out there knows about an iPhone compatible NFC ring, I would love to try it because you gave me one that looks super cool. It's got kind of a neat, I don't know, it just looks kind of retro. It's one of the early NFC rings. Yeah, because you can see the NFC chip right there, and it's kind of like yeah, this comes like a, up. It does. Mm -hmm. Dang it. It has an empty tag. Son of a stupid <laughs> iPhone. Son of a are bitch. Just, son of a <laughs> NFC. <laughs> Dang, a stupid So it's iPhones that stink. No comment. Wow, that's too bad. Dang it. Well, anyway, um, so that doesn't work. What else? I got my DeLorean Motor Company hat today you which also was kind of crappy i didn't realize that was new or else i would have commented on it i've never seen you wear a hat to one of these recordings because yeah. i p spend a lot on haircuts i like to show them off i figure if, if i'm going to spend this much on a haircut might as well let the world appreciate it but i want to show off my hat <laughs> delorean <laughs> does have a very cool logo yeah like, I like, it's very 80s and it's still it still works they screwed up a lot of stuff, but they nailed the timeless factor. Mm -hmm. Like the car still looks really cool today for a one-off. That logo does look good on that kind of hat too. Like one yeah. of those puffy foam. I don't. There's a name for them, but I don't know. It's sort of a trucker hat, yeah, farmer hat type thing. But 
what else was there? Anyway, those are the kind of the, the main highlights of technology the last week. That's exciting. And I'm I'm not happy with Wish. <laughs> I'm shocked. I wish it was better. <laughs> but anyway, it, it can what Wish does, which I think um Amazon could take a lesson from, is it basically just it's all about browsing until you see something you like. Hmm. And Amazon is not very good at that in my experience. Yeah, Amazon's hard to browse. Yeah. They assume you know what you want or yeah, when I go to like Rob's Amazon, it's all like buy it again. Right. I'm like buy it again. <laughs> I don't I don't want to buy things again. I want you to like I just want to go through and have you show me like things I might like and they do a or they they put it all in like different categories like here's household stuff you might like and blah 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 like you must have the algorithms that you know statistically what I'm most likely to buy. The homepage, I agree. It's like buy it again. Mm-hmm. Things you recently looked at. Right. It's dumb. <laughs> that it's, it's their weird categories. It's really a lousy place for discovering things in many ways. Mm-hmm. Unless you're already looking for something and it suggests something similar to that. But why they haven't figured it out? I mean, this is all that Wish is. You go into Wish and immediately it's just, here's some things you might be interested in. Now, it doesn't change as much as I'd like. And it's, I wish there were a way to like thumb up and thumb down. Like that was a good suggestion that wasn't. But, you know, when I'm bored and feeling consumerish, you know, it's fun to just go on there and be like, oh, and I've discovered some interesting things. Like, It'd be interesting to have a shopping app that was like swipe right, swipe left. Yeah. You can just get better recommendations. Exactly. Yep. Or something that, rec- you know, you got things that recommend movies. So Similarly, the, I mean, Amazon's good because once you, I mean, you're going on there to search for a thing that you need. Mm-hmm. So you find one one result and then it's so good at offering you 500 other similar options mm-hmm. that you end up going down that rabbit hole but that that's the method of browsing it it seems to cater to yeah it seems to be doing this this like pathetic thing of people who bought this also bought these together like that whole like group them all together yeah is that i've never grouped i've never gone for the suggestion of people you know buy this and these other two things i've learned a lot from that Mm-hmm. If I'm looking for something that I'm not, isn't something so familiar to me, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this might be helpful. Right. So that's enlightening in a way. But I find it interesting that Amazon, because what I think they have to do is find that middle space between, so you're trying to cater to all shoppers, mm-hmm. but some shoppers want to browse and some shoppers know exactly what they're looking for and how do you deliver the best experience to those two very disparate types of shoppers. Well, this is kind of getting into the Costco model because Costco, do you have a membership? I don't. Okay. I'm just one person. I don't need four pounds of pretzels. I'm just one person and I want four pounds of pretzels. So I never have to buy pretzels again. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> but the way they work is they want people to wander around and stumble upon things. And so sometimes you have to hunt around a little bit. Sometimes they have stuff. Sometimes they don't. It gets a little bit irritating, but their their model is we're going to sell more by getting people sort of browsing and seeing things that they weren't looking for and buying those. So they're banking on an impulse buy. Yeah, basically. Interesting. Yeah. Which I think, I don't know. I mean, you can't really um, diss success, but... I think Amazon is missing the boat. 
which I say ironically knowing. I, I saw some headline about Jeff Bezos buying a super yacht. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Amazon does lower the barrier for shopping, but this is not a podcast about Amazon. No. I think we've <laughs> dawdled enough. Let's get to what this is a podcast about. What is it? So we're talking about survival tech. This is this is correct, right? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> we started out calling it survival techniques, and I was like, why did the, I think that the Google Doc finished tech? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which made it a little bit irritating trying to research this because I was looking up survival tech and and youtube and it kept suggesting survival techniques and i was like i don't need to know how to make like a shelter out of sticks and leaves like i want to like you said i want to see stuff that has a battery and a chip in it and it's a lot of like shovels that are also axes and things that start fires (laughs) i think there's a reason for this though and i think it is exactly what i was trying to get out earlier Mm -hmm. in this conversation the things that are good at survival are not high tech Mm -hmm. unless you are allowing yourself the ability to carry things that are much heavier than you'd want to carry for long periods of time. I'm struggling because I, I still think that the thing that you, that was most likely to save your life is a GPS transmitter. I disagree. Okay. Let's start that (laughs) off as a teaser you, you already warned me that it was going to be a contentious episode, so I'm looking forward to that. I got a lot of pent-up rage about my exploded um, heat pressure tank. Are we going to take it out of this conversation? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let let's loose. Go. But let's start off by going talking a bit about the, the, the previous world of tech in terms of saving people from, like, the woods and the ocean is sort of what I'm thinking about, like... You are you are out away from civilization, mm-hmm. and you need to be, and you have an emergency, and you need to be rescued. Oh, this is interesting. That's this what is, I think of survival. This is the tech. unintentional emergency situation. Right. All right. Did I totally misunderstand what today's topic was? No, I think that it just when we're talking about survival, I think there are lots of different contexts. Mm-hmm. So there is an emergency scenario where you were never intending to be an emergency situation mm-hmm. so you need to be rescued 100 percent. Right. versus i know i'm going into the woods for a week uh, i'm planning yes. for it and these are the things that i'm taking or i'd say a third one that's an apocalypse right the zombie apocalypse that sort of technology like i am in the woods but there is no one who's going to rescue me so what do i take for that or like the world has ended right the apocalypse scenario where you just have a base station and everybody's starting from scratch again right yeah so i'm coming at it more of the from the i went out in the woods and something went very wrong and now i need to be now i need to save myself okay tech so in that scenario i'm assuming that there's a level of planning because you knew you were going out to the woods Mm -hmm. okay all right but we can we can tinker on that but what comes to mind for me in terms of like the history of this is um, is comes from my flying experience where going back, I mean, probably at least into the 60s since a lot of today's little civilian planes were actually built in the 60s when there was sort of a, um, a aviation boom. But they all have and are required to have an ELT, an emergent, emergency 
landing transmitter, which is this box that, depending on the plane, if it's a little personal plane, usually is like kind of between the seats or somewhere fairly accessible. When it gets whacked hard enough, it sets off a radio um, signal that pilots listening on that frequency can hear. And often pilots who are, you know, not having to talk to air traffic control or, or something like that, or, or airliners will listen to just in case. I actually had a friend get rescued that way, wow. um, who had a, who, a plane crash in the middle of the wilderness and it, and was able to reach an airliner flying overhead on the emergency frequency. Oh my goodness. Anyway, it's just a thing that would just go like beep, 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 beep. And then emergency <laughs> rescue teams could, A, they'd hear that, it, it would, it would register with whoever could pick up the signal and then they could zero in on it like you can zero in on any radio frequency with triangulation. Right. Beacons are great. Yeah. And so that's going back quite a ways in terms of a technology that's used to rescue. And the cool thing was automatic. So if the plane crashed and people were incapacitated, it would still trigger. If you weren't, you could trigger it yourself if you're afraid it hadn't gone off and you could take it out and carry it with you. So that's something that is required in airplanes and that we've had around for a long time. But that's in terms of like that sort of rescuing you from the middle of nowhere. That's about it that I'm not aware of, of, of quite that style. So I've, I've used a spot tracker before. Mm-hmm. So I've done wilderness runs. Where... And that's GPS. Right. It's based on a GPS mm-hmm. um, signal, yes. And I would carry that with me just in case I stopped running for whatever reason and couldn't, under my own power, get back out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have that as an option just to let people know where I was. And when, when are we talking now? This would have been at least seven years ago. No, probably 10 years ago now. Okay. So, and what was that device capable of? It really wasn't capable of much. It really just had a transmitter. And I could also put down, oh, what do they call it? Um, Markers. Mm -hmm. So I could just send, like, push a button and add a marker so people could watch progress. Oh, okay. Um, And then if they had an emergency mode, like if I was in trouble, I could just hit the emergency mode Mm -hmm. and it would notify. And that required a subscription? It did. Yeah. And that's using satellites. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Pretty much anywhere however those are vulnerable to cloudy days right so the reception yes is vulnerable and it does rely on having power so Mm -hmm. after it was less than 24 hours the battery life so after that you either have another way to power this device or you're not signaling anymore wow right okay have you worked with any other devices in that one not that we're connected to a network Okay. I mean, I've used GPSs. I've tried to take my phone out. Um, I've been on a tour that had a sat phone, but we never had to use it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's really the breadth of my technological signaling capability. Right. Yeah. And so it, in terms of what's available today, and then we can get into the other stuff you're talking about um, as well when it comes to emergency tech, there are the... Uh, what emergency locator beacon, I think, an ELB, which is basically doesn't require a subscription, 
battery lasts forever because you only use it when you need it. But it's just a like panic button. You push it and the cavalry comes and that's it. There's no like, I want to just send an emergency text or like an update text or update my location. It's basically a, a portable fire alarm, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and once you press it, you have to be prepared to accept the charges You better too. explain yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and so things like that, you know, great for sailing, obviously. There's, you know, some instances of, I mean, if you can imagine just how amazing that is. You can be out in the middle of nowhere and get rescued on a on a, um, a yacht or a sailing ship. You know, you call those? I feel pretty Sailboat. comfortable on land feeling like getting lost. But if I were out in the middle of the ocean lost, mm-hmm. I would just have no clue. Yeah. And you're in a bit of a timeline deadline if it starts to sink. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can terrible. imagine in a storm, too, I'm not sure how well how well those transmit, how long you'd have to go. But And then there are the kind that you're talking about, which are the GPS transmitters, which can... With a subscription, they can transmit updates for people just so that your friends can follow you and make sure you're okay. And you can also, I think, send some basic text messages. They have fancy models now mm-hmm. that do do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are the, the that's co- sort of what I had in mind when we were talking about this oh, just that one subject thing? matter. <laughs> that's the only thing I could think of, and I was researching. Now, what also came to mind is something I saw probably a year ago, and that was have you seen? The I posted it to our to our um, YouTube uh, video list, whatever. But the lifeguards who use a drone to drop inflatable tubes to struggling swimmers. Nice. Have you seen that? I haven't. Pretty cool. Like it's really amazing how well they're able to do it. You know, drone can get up and out there mm-hmm. really fast, and then. It drops this little packet, which is basically just a self-inflating tube, so it's not very heavy because drones really – trust me, if you've ever tried to carry a payload with a drone, they're pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get one to, like, carry a sign one time, and it, it couldn't lift anything. Um, but – it and then they, they drop it. It hits the water, inflates. It's just a giant, hmm. like, tube, like one of those Zumba things or whatever that people, like, whack. No, that's the horn. We had, like, a pool noodle? Yeah, it's basically just an inflatable pool noodle. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so people can climb on that and swim themselves back to shore. And, you know, gives... the lifeguard doesn't even need to swim. The lifeguard anymore. doesn't need to go out there. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's one bit of survival tech that I, I thought was uh, pretty cool in terms of things that are happening right now. And then, semi related is the basically the, the like uh, Iron Man suits that they're experimenting with, which you sent, sent me the video of the Navy using the, oh, the jet suits the jet suit, to yeah. fly from, a, like, from ship to ship. Did I send you an exoskeleton? <laughs> no, I mean the <laughs> flying part. Gotcha. So I've seen some examples of rescue teams using using those too, because you don't have to fly very high, but you can, especially up here in Alaska, where often, you know, the tundra is just really hard to get across, or maybe there's some rivers and stuff, so. Yeah. That's pretty exciting in terms of quickly getting a rescuer to someone who needs help. Yeah, but I, hmm. but it's just one person and not a lot of payload. I was gonna say, if you have that, let's call it a jet suit. Mm-hmm. How are you gonna rescue a second person with one of those? You're not gonna get them out. No. But you could provide, you know, maybe some first aid 
that kind of stuff. Maybe some water. (laughs) At that point, get a St. Bernard out there, you know? Right. Anyway, so tell me about what comes to your mind when you're talking about survival tech and so we can argue about it okay so there are a number of different categories of gear that i started thinking about and the first made the assumption that you were going to carry devices that needed power Mm -hmm. and so what are those devices that allow you to recharge the devices that need power and so i started thinking about those portable solar chargers um there's also thermo what do they call them thermo generators I was wondering if you could bring that up. Yeah. Like basically a little camp stove that creates power. Mm -hmm. I saw that for the first time today researching (laughs) this. I was amazed. I had no idea those things exist. They're really cool. Yeah. Have you ever seen one in person? I haven't seen one in person, Mm -hmm. but I think it's great that you could power something with a campfire, essentially. The one I saw is basically maybe a little smaller than a two liter bottle with a, you know, electronic box about the size of maybe a kleenex box on the side and you just like put wood in the top so you've got the fire and then somehow it's got a fan which is also controlling the intensity of the fire on it and then you plug devices into it or even a light i guess you got a fire you're probably in pretty good shape but (laughs) you could power devices with the same fire you might be using to cook or heat with which so, I thought was amazing. I think it's amazing. And I think it's a great option because you're going to be, again, carrying another thing. Mm-hmm. Why not have it be a dual purpose right. kind of device? Yeah, because <clears throat> if if you've ever gone backpacking, <laughs> weight is like yeah. all you care about. Like anything. I remember weight and space, you know, like... If you're you're bringing mac and cheese and you're getting rid of the box and you're putting the the macaroni and the cheese like in a little Ziploc bag. And you're making sure like the mac and cheese that it's dehydrated and you're not carrying the water. Right, exactly. And ideally you're bringing some sort of water purifier Mm because water is unbelievably heavy. Which is another technology we could talk about. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I I think when when we think about Alaska, let's... We're, we're going to very hard to reach places where you're in a canoe or you might be backpacking. So weight is a really big factor. So you don't, you want to bring the thing that is most likely to be needed. Right. And you're definitely off the grid too. So mm-hmm. what will you need? Cause you're not going to be able to come across a corner store ever. Yeah. The other power sources um, that could be options are those hand, hand or foot cranked devices. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you were talking about it the last time, um, like those hand cranked radios that they have where you could listen to the. I don't know why you would take a radio on a camping trip, but Weather. sure. But up here, no, you wouldn't get any stations. No. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't you look at the weather before you left? <laughs> Things change. <laughs> well, definitely they do here. But then similarly, and I guess the principle is the same, there is one of the devices I came across, which was actually really cool. And it was a generator that could generate power by wind, or you Mm. could drop it in a stream, or you could crank it by hand. Wow. So it was this propeller type thing Mm -hmm. where wherever there was a current um, or a thing to turn the wheel, it was generating Mm -hmm. power. And I was like, well, that's super nifty. Mm -hmm. So I had never considered that you could generate like a electricity from hydropower while you were camping i think that's really cool in some situations that could be helpful yeah 
especially, especially canoeing yeah that or if you knew you were just going to be camped somewhere for mm-hmm. a few days yeah like drop something in the stream and just keep your stuff powered that's that's really cool and it looked like it was super portable too which mm-hmm. you know throwing in a bag that kind of looked like it might have been like six by six inches mm-hmm. ish so it, it seemed carryable i yeah. was excited about it okay yeah worth that was worth the wait that was worth the wait i okay. mean especially if you are going to be out let's say hiking the appalachian trail mm-hmm. and you're just going to be out for a long time and you might actually need to power your phone right and you don't yeah. want to carry a solar charger which are great options too on a sunny day yeah they're kind of yeah they're heavy at least there's no real effort like anything you have to hand crank i think how how long is that going to work for? Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's a cost to that too. I mean, if you're cranking it, that's calories. Right. So mm-hmm. you're making decisions. Are you going to be walking or are you going to be cranking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about I walk and I'm cranky? <laughs> that was one of the options. Well, one thing that comes to mind for me with all this too is the, you know, Elon Musk, was it Starlink or mm-hmm. Star? I mean, if, if we've got internet everywhere... We don't have to rely on GPS so much for communication. Why not just, isn't your phone then going to be able to be your emergency communicator? Isn't this going to put these other types of transmitters out of business? I don't think so. Why not? Well, it's an alternative network, so it's nice to have a fallback. Mm Mm-hmm. So you could still you could still find your location. Can you imagine you're like not a member, but your plane just crashed in the woods, and so before you can contact anyone, you have to subscribe to Starlink or whatever it is, that and you can't suck. find your credit card. Oh man, that'd be pretty hilarious, and also pretty pretty traumatizing too. Would be- yeah, if you could remember your credit card number, but you couldn't remember the three-digit pin. On the back. <laughs> yeah, what is that number? There's there there will have to be some sort of emergency like subscribe to Starlink now. Anyway, That'd be crazy. Um, but that's that's one of the first things that came to my mind when when I learned about this worldwide internet connection. It was like, well, this is the end of people getting stranded in the middle of nowhere. No, it's um, not. But you don't think so. No, because, you know, all you need is to crack your phone on a rock or whatever device you're carrying, and you don't have that option. Like, suddenly you are relegated to the map that you should have packed with you mm-hmm. and the plan that you should also have as a fallback. Right. So. Or an EMP, electromagnetic pulse. Why would you be carrying that? No, that's what might knock you out. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and then absolutely. Then you're hosed. So tell me more about your idea of what this well before maybe before we get into that let's talk a little bit about your experience because you've been in the army <laughs> and i was in the calvinist cadet corps <laughs> oh right on i mean you learned a lot i was in girl scouts too yeah so it started early yeah they, like they right. teach you like you're gonna be in the woods these are things you should think about and if you know you're a little girl so mm-hmm. it's not super rough but I liked being in the woods when I was a little kid. And so <laughs> I remember thinking about joining the army and I was like, I like being in the woods. This is going to be, this is a no brainer. It's mm-hmm. nothing to do with being in the woods. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so tell me about what's your experience with survival from the army. Well, it's, it is totally different, but the, the real, I guess, knowledge comes from thinking about what you need to get by in a situation. Okay. And being deliberate about that and 
not taking anything extra when it's not needed. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I learned from that the experience of being in the military. Also, I learned how to read a map, which is infinitely valuable and how to um, read terrain. So you learn terrain association. So you learn mm. to look around and see what landforms are nearby mm -hmm. versus what you're looking at on a map. Yeah. And so that makes navigating much easier and you just pay more attention to how the land is shaped and what's growing on what side of trees and where the sun's mm. coming up. And so navigating isn't hard if, if you're paying attention. Yeah. So you're talking about dead reckoning, right? That and also carry a compass and know how to use that. True. But just for the record, in case people don't know, dead reckoning doesn't mean <laughs> <laughs> you're not dying. You're dead or dying or it's bad. It stands for deduced reckoning, right? So you're looking at a map and you see, I mean, this is, the, again, something that comes from flying. Like they have a water tower marked. And so mm -hmm. you, you look for the water tower, you look for the smokestacks. That's how we got around because I was learning to fly before the internet, before anyone had that stuff in there in the cockpit. So you're so flying by sight. You're looking around. Yeah. Trying to be like, okay, there's that river or, or there's that road. And, um, I think that's tricky because I mean, flying is much faster tricky. than walking. It's very tricky. And <laughs> you things have to do be not able to look do these the things same. really quickly. But when it comes to, I mean, to the, what kind of tech did they have for you in the army? Was there any, anything in particular like this is useful and I want to make sure that I I always have this with me when I'm doing my own trips in the woods? So when we did survival training, it was low it was relatively low tech. Okay. Um let's see what time was I was in the army from 96 to 2000. So it was really short. Was there anything they gave you that was that had a power supply no. or Really? No, unless you were in a vehicle that had something, it was all unpowered so besides the the gps you 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 don't even consider that practical no so what tech would you take into the woods a compass and a map and that a requires a battery oh that has a that has a battery nothing you wouldn't even take a phone no i mean i'd take one because i have it and i would want it but once you take a phone then you need to take something to recharge the phone yeah so i'd have it but it just as a fallback right and i don't you know you don't necessarily help here especially you don't need a lamp lights nice sometimes but it's not necessary <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> yeah camping lamps don't sell super well up here because no. there's about maybe a few weeks on either end of the season where you might use it if you're camping yeah. traditional and other things that you need, like food really doesn't take power. Mm -hmm. um, I would have a camp stove, so just a little bit of fuel. Mm -hmm. Water, that doesn't really require any kind of power because you could just have a filtration system, like a life straw, something like that, or even tablets. Um, so what are we arguing about today? Well, I thought that you were going to be really into the tech of survival, I'm just really low tech. If I'm going into the wilderness, I'm not really going to have a lot of things that even have batteries. You know, it's a little... I will argue you need the GPS. Why? Because what do you do when you, when you trip and break an ankle? <laughs> well, GPS isn't going to help you. Yes, it's it gonna, will. It's going to tell you where I'm you broke your ankle. I'm talking about the ankle. locator. Oh, yeah. So having a beacon would be great. Okay. Yes. 
I agree with you. Oh, so you thought I was going to say you also need to take like your echo frames and your life logging camera and all I that thought stuff. we were talking about car camping scenarios. Oh. Yeah. Because at that point, I was like, this isn't the kind of camping that I would want to do. <laughs> or it's a prepper situation where you just think you're going to have to live off the grid for the rest of your life. I got all ready for a battle and I'm just like, damn it. Not sure. <laughs> Because I think I agree with you. Anything you take out that's tech, A, tech hates the wilderness. Mm -hmm. It hates cold. It hates wet. It hates dirty. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So if I'm going car camping, like, I would bring, I might bring, like, some drones for entertainment purposes or something like that. But no, tech, the point of going to the wilderness is to get away from tech in many ways. So the phone should be there for emergency purposes or take pictures. Yeah. I'm sorry I can't disagree with you on that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. You're, I thought we were going to have to disagree about. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about the future. Maybe we'll find something to disagree about with the future. Whoa. Are you ready to talk about the future or you want to talk more about present day? I don't think we have to talk tech. about present day unless you want to have an, an argument about the best way to start a fire. But we could talk about the future too. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I feel like this is an interesting thing that emergency tech is just, it's um, its kind of counter to what getting out in the woods is about. Mm-hmm. When now, you, yeah, so just to acknowledge, though, when you are in an emergency situation, you definitely want the thing that can get help the fastest, mm-hmm. which you probably will not have. But yeah, I have not seen a lot of stuff that has a battery in a in a processor of some kind. No. When it comes to emergency, everything I see is some tool that starts a fire or cuts wood or you know some box that's full of a fancy uh, sleeping bag, whatever those <laughs> metal yeah. ones. Or like those, like they sell prepackaged go bags now. And I was like, really? Yeah. You don't get to pick all the little things that you put in there <laughs> That's yourself? That's half the fun. Like, I know. <laughs> shall I bring 45 ammo or just 9 millimeter? Hmm. Yeah. Hollow point or full metal jacket? <laughs> those are the fun parts of what making kind of a go bag. What camping are you doing? <laughs> That's a go bag. That's not camping. <laughs> okay. That's a zombie apocalypse bag. <laughs> So it it's it it is interesting to me that it it's that there doesn't seem to be a whole boat other than this fire thing and, and, and the water purification, which is pretty interesting, but right. there's not too much in terms of batteries and processing and that kind of stuff. No. As for the for the future, I mean I wondered I mean about uh I think as we've seen a bit already with the lifeguards and that kind of thing, rescue drones. If you could very quickly get out to someone. So here, one of the issues, I was briefly involved in the Civil Air Patrol, which for those of you who aren't familiar, it's basically a division of the Air Force that's all civilian pilots who volunteer their time for a variety of reasons, but probably the most prominent is doing search and rescue situations when like the Coast Guard or um, or state troopers or something like that. Are, it's just not practical for them. So they get a report that there's a hiker lost in the woods and it's going to take a lot of people f- flying around forever looking for him. 
they're the ones. They're just civilians, and they they, they did have like they have a a beaver here at Fairbanks, big old tail dragon um, bush plane. Okay. Which with the um, blister windows, so you can lean out and look down. Oh wow! So they do. I mean, they do have some funding, and it's not like there's just a bunch of guys in their in their personal planes. Although they do do that sometimes too. But one of the problems that they have is they'll be flying around trying to find someone who's lost, and the person they'll see a person and the person will just wave and they won't know, is this the person who's lost or is this? So one of the things they try to communicate to people is if you're lost, like make it really clear when we see you that you're the one to be rescued. Spell it out on the ground. Right. So one thing that's interesting to me is drones is the ability to make searching go faster and make it, possible in inclement weather mm-hmm. and at much lower levels because when we're flying when we're i was with them for like a year was not a great experience but when people fly <laughs> but when civil air patrol and other people are flying they're they're flying high yeah. it's really hard to see people unless you are right above them because any angle in trees and you can't see them and so you and and you're high up there so it's very hard to see people walking around mm-hmm so a drone that could come in really low and automatically scan and maybe has some heat detection type camera on it. Like an IR? Okay. Yeah. IR. Yeah. Infrared um, would be amazing for greatly accelerating that, that process. It strikes me too that would be less expensive than having an entire <laughs> plane and crew come out exactly. to rescue Exactly. Yes. Maintenance on that, that beavers and that's yeah. in a very expensive plane. So Yeah. However, at the same time, if you've got if if the GPS locators are ubiquitous, that takes a lot of the the trouble out of it too. But it could be a while before everybody, by default, carries those around. Right, and so not I, every place is still easy to get to. You mm-hmm. still have to get somebody out there. Whether it's I don't know here in Alaska, if you're not flying out there, you your other options are on foot, mm-hmm. on a quad. Or by drone. Right. So another thing that comes to mind is like a personal drone. What if we could fly... Somebody's injured in a really inaccessible place. Mm-hmm. What if we could fly someone out on a... On like one of those like things that looks like a motorcycle drone. Oh, wow. They fly out there. They get the person strapped down on, you know, whatever the backboard things are or whatever. Onto this drone. And then the drone takes them back. And the rescuer just waits for another drone to come get them. Or maybe they their two drones go together. That would be interesting. Almost like an ultralight that a, a civilian could fly almost. And this would fly automatically. Oh. So you're incapacitated, strapped to a giant drone. Yeah. And a rescuer is flying next to you on their own drone. Very like Star Wars. That's, I like that. When you said a personal drone, I was imagining a hiker with a small drone camera combo. Yeah. Because a lot of rescue situations, people are actually close to civilization and they don't know it because they can't get high enough. Oh, yeah. And they can't orient themselves. And so if they had the ability to just get up high mm-hmm. and look around. That's an excellent point. Because one of my favorite stories from my Dark Winter Nights show is about the Anderson legend, my my um, buddy um, Big David. I listened to that one. Yeah. <laughs> Who gets lost in the woods around Anderson and mm-hmm. he becomes a legend because he's this giant black guy who came into the woods and then people never saw him again. Right. <laughs> he was fine, but he got really, really 
lost and nearly died. And if he had had a drone that he could just zoop, I mean, a freaking like $30 drone. And he was walking distance away from civilization. Yeah, he walked into the woods and right. got so lost that he almost died. Yeah. So that's that's a great point of of personal drones like that being more ubiquitous because you're right if you can, there's no trees to climb up here in alaska to get us and right. e- anywhere because no matter what in most cases trees grow to about the same height so and uh, many places where you're walking around in the woods there's no mountains to see like there's mm-hmm. no differentiated terrain for you to actually tell where you are right yeah so that's a great great idea i, I wonder though would you think that would be worth it yes so you would carry a personal drone out well they're super small even now Mm -hmm. yes and it does require power however Mm -hmm. i do see the value in that easily yeah i mean that's what's great about that is it prevents you from needing to call for an emergency because if the emergency is that you're lost, that's not life-threatening in and of itself. You're not injured. Not immediately. <laughs> right. right. It only becomes a problem over time. So you could prevent that sort of effort of people having to rescue you if you could just fly a drone up and be like, oh, okay, there's the river. I'll fly back that way or yeah. something of that nature. Or there's a house. I can go there. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great, great... Because I tend to think of a situation where you are, like, injured and you can't move. But a lot of times it's people getting lost. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about map literacy and knowing how to use a compass and what side the moss grows on. And just keeping your cool when mm-hmm. you realize you're lost. Don't freak out. Right. Don't just walk around in all directions and forget what direction you started from. Yeah. Before I forget, I heard an... This along the same lines of um, sort of uh, it's it's not an emergency immediately, but over time, I heard a story a friend of mine told me. So this is very like second and third hand. I meant to research it a little bit more. Maybe I maybe I can look look up some of that for when we post this. But about a guy here in Alaska who was flown out to a lake for the season for like the summer season. And the pilot was going to come back and get him in the fall. Not a terribly unusual thing for people who people do who, who live out in the bush. I guess what happened was the pilot who was supposed to fly him back died. Oh, gosh. And so nobody knew he was out there. So no one knew that he needed to be picked up. Oh, no. And eventually he just died out there. Oh, my never gosh. Never having been rescued because of... Um, and we're talking like probably 80s or earlier, Ugh. that kind of thing. Um, so I'll have to see if I can find that particular story. But you talk about a situation where technology, one little bit of technology would have saved the whole situation. Or, I don't know, making sure other people know right. who you've dropped off and you know who you have to pick up. Or but, just knowing a little bit more about how to plan for like long term. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know what to call it. If you have to stay somewhere long term, like clearly he was ready to stay out there for a while. Yeah. He could have gotten along a little bit more successfully <laughs> with mm-hmm. just a few extra bits of gear. My point is people have been living in Alaska for thousands of years. Right. Successfully without electricity 
and power and all of those things. It just, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate he didn't have what he needed. Yeah, if you're going to be out there that long, you should be ready to do it yeah. indefinitely. But winter is a way different. That's true. Winter is a bag of worms. It's a pack can of worms, worms yeah. bag of something. And you get stuck in winter. Yeah. So it's a lot of different gear than you need for that. But anyway, I'll see if I can find that full thing. Otherwise, as a hypothetical, that's a situation yeah. where Ugh. everything's fine except of the factor of time. Right. <laughs> You're stuck anywhere for too long. That's awful. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, I, I do see drones as a big potential factor in this. Um. I'm not sure, like, what, are we going to have any major, I mean, one of the factors is that there just isn't going to be as much wilderness as there used to be, as, you know, people. So you'd be less likely to wander out away from services? Yeah. That'd be sad, but maybe, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, the, the general world population growth is slowing, I think, so. You can still get lost in a city. Yeah. But you're not gonna like die from exposure. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> die from having to go to the bathroom and can't find a public restroom. That's the main thing I that terrifies me about cities. True. Great. I have to go to the bathroom, so I have to go to some restaurant and order an appetizer before I can go to the bathroom. Awesome. <laughs> we'll talk about public restroom technology in a later episode. Or it just reminds me of being in Europe on a Sunday when most things are closed. Right. Trying to convince somebody to actually oh. like have a conversation. Oh, I got <laughs> horror stories from that. Even just being in downtown Chicago at like five o'clock on a Sunday, nothing's open. Oh, wow. At least back when I was there. Other than that, I mean, the things that come to mind, I tried to look up stuff about because ships are going to continue to sink. That's true. So I was trying to think about what sort of technology is there for um, merchant marine and and whatnot when their ships go down, you know. And they they're still. I don't know. That's still tough because they've got the Gumby suits, mm-hmm. which they can float in indefinitely, but they have to get into them, right? You know, and sometimes you don't have a lot of warning. And they've got the the fancy quick release, you know, like lifeboats. Yeah, Zodiacs, but also the ones that basically, especially on like the oil platforms and stuff that can just like shoot off. Oh. Um, but that still takes a little bit of time. Yeah, well, water so. is so not the environment I would want to get stuck out. Um, yeah. Ugh. I don't I don't know a whole lot about what kind of safety technology mm-hmm. they have. I thought like, wouldn't it be crazy if someone could pull an alarm and would like shoot a bunch of drones up into the sky so that people could find the ship quickly or something of that nature. It would be interesting to have a number of drones that run their own small networks mm-hmm. amongst each other and mm-hmm. where they could sort of um, like one, see what's on the ground and mm-hmm. make like using artificial intelligence decisions about what they're seeing. You mm-hmm. know, if they're in the wilderness and they see things moving around, like is it an animal? Is it a person? Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things. That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally, no pun intended, out of my depth on this one, but I'm, I'm back to ships. I'm kind of focused on ships. But okay. what if there were lifeboats that could self-deploy that don't require any manual? So if you did have to just jump into the water, there's a there'd be a lifeboat that would come to you. 
you know, it would, it would have, you'd maybe have a tracking beacon on yourself and, and the lifeboat would drive itself to you and be easy to get in somehow. Um, what if there was a, again, a larger size drone that could drop a Gumby suit or, or something of that nature mm-hmm. to you? So, I mean, imagine, because as we, I think we all hear eventually, if you live in Alaska long enough, you hear about how quickly the body shuts down in cold, cold water. Yeah. Like you have, I mean, it's less than a couple minutes depending on the temperature. Yeah. I don't, I don't actually know how long you'd have, but it would be just a few minutes. Yeah. Before you start to lose dexterity. So you can't use your hands to climb into anything anymore. So yeah, I wonder in terms of, is, is there some way that technology will allow, uh, a sailor to jump into frigid water without any gear on and survive. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But that's, that's one area that, that I, I'd be very interested to see what sort of improvements happen with that. It's a big deal up here in, in Alaska. That's because that's not in Fairbanks. (laughs) (laughs) We got river troubles and whatnot. Um, but, uh, yeah. Any, Any other ideas about the future of, life-saving tech wilderness saving technology no i think drones are the only new thing that i think really come to mind mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe i should have thought longer about this everything else is just really i don't know it just survival in a wilderness mm-hmm. like those skills are pretty primal mm-hmm. yeah you're right there's a lot of stuff you just need basic tools yeah knife rope some sort of wit, uh, fire starting stuff. Yeah. He says, having never done anything that adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of like, where's the most away from other people I've ever been? Where's the most away you've ever been? I The best I can, I don't know. Um, probably I flew into a lake on a float plane one time. With a couple of friends. I almost got landed on by a float plane once. <laughs> so you got to wear a brighter swim cap. I <laughs> know. Yeah. So you landed Wait, uh, no, no, in no. a lake? Yeah. So I landed on a lake with some In the middle of some nowhere. friends. It was the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But there were other houses on the lake. This guy had a little cabin on it. But that doesn't mean there are people there. Like you were Correct. out on a lake where people could only fly in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's the like probably one of the least accessible places I've ever been. Yeah, that's pretty inaccessible because yeah. you know if the plane's not there, what were your options? Yeah, if the plane wouldn't have been able to start, or if we had crashed on, because float planes are freaky thing. You got to really know what you're doing. But there's they're easy to crash. Um, we it's not like we could have probably like yelled for help. I don't I don't know. That would probably not have been good. <laughs> you would be, would, you would have been stuck there until somebody else came to their cabin on the lake. Yeah, probably. And they might not have had room for you all to go back at the same time. <laughs> it could have been something like that. Yeah. <laughs> How were you almost landed on by a float plane? Oh, gosh. That's really scary. Yeah, but it would have taken. So I was in Bethel at the time. Mm-hmm. We were doing some training at the campus up there. And after hours, one of the instructors had like a group of kids they were meeting and like kayaking with mm-hmm. on a lake. 
And, and he's like, why don't you come out? You can come paddle around with the kids. And I was like, that sounds like fun. So we take the boats out there and we're paddling around waiting for everybody to show up. And so I'm just paddling around like I'm on the other side of the lake. And the kids show up and, you know, I was like, I better cross the lake to get back and just link up with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so I'm crossing the lake and I'm in the middle of the lake and I like, I don't know if it was subconscious that I had just heard <laughs> something, but I was like, what's the name of this lake again? This is, <laughs> it was like float lake or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, planes could land here. And then like right then I heard a plane overhead and it was a float plane. I'm like, oh my gosh. And it was on approach. Oh. And I just started hauling across. <laughs> like my paddles were splashing. <laughs> trying to get out of the middle of that i got out of the middle of the lake Uh and i just got out of the center of it as Uh it was approaching to land and as soon as it hit the water like the surface of the water started to vibrate wow i could feel it through the kayak oh my (laughs) gosh gosh, it was really exciting yeah technically a landing plane has rights over all other water vessels right (laughs) from from what I've heard. I don't remember where I heard that. <laughs> it was Hanger Lake. It was like the name was oh, obvious. Right. And I was just <laughs> clueless. So clueless. Uh, well, um, what, shall we transition to what has blown you away recently? Oh, yeah. We're into a hard transition. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just so skip the formalities. This week, I needed something soft to blow my mind. So I ended up getting sucked into the land of animated short videos. Oh. And I sent you a link one to, um, oh, that little spider. What was his name? Lucas. Yeah, Lucas. That's Luke, cute. Lucas yeah. the spider. Um, he was super cute. But then I ended up actually landing on a Pixar short. Um, and there was a character named Piper who, again, just over the top cute. And then like in a few minutes just totally made everything that was sucking during the day feel better oh piper is a little sandpiper oh fun yeah so Mm -hmm. i'll link the video it was just really fun to watch and it was amazing like the water that was rendered like the way the ability for people to render these animated shorts now they're beautiful Mm -hmm. the water looked like water it was more beautiful than water the birds are more cute than birds super hyper realistic and cute stuff wow Mm -hmm. nice so that was the thing that put me. I'm glad it helped you. <laughs> Mine actually, I came across today. Uh, my normal routine is to flip through YouTube in the morning, mainly for news, but you know, sometimes other stuff pops up. And one of the things that popped up was video of a student helicopter pilot who was, who uh, on his first flight experienced ground resonance. Have you ever heard of ground resonance with a helicopter? No. Neither had I. Helicopters, of course, are their own breed. There's yeah. like almost no overlap between helicopters and and what we call fixed wing aircraft, which is what I'm more familiar with. So all I know is that helicopters are really dangerous. I've I've yet to find someone who works with them a lot who won't agree that they basically are trying to tear themselves apart at any given point. <laughs> I've jumped out of helicopters and realized wow. immediately that they are places I don't want to hang out. <laughs> they are really complicated and there's really a lot of physics that doesn't want them to be able to do what they're doing. Right. And ground resonance is this whole other thing that I heard about. And this is when a, a helicopter is landed and the vibrations from the blades 
ripple down through the helicopter through the landing gear, which basically creates a wave up and down. So basically you get this resonance between the vibration of the blades passes down through the helicopter. It gets to the, to the um, landing gear or the landing skids. And that sort of resonates with the ground and comes back up and it starts to amplify. (gasps) And basically a helicopter will tear itself apart that way. And so I looked it up and there's video of helicopters literally tearing like cabin tearing off the front breaking in half they had a they had video of a what is it the is it the chinook that's the double bladed Mm -hmm. army helicopter which was uh basically at the end of its operating lifetime so they had it destroy itself with ground resonance just to see what would happen and you see like the tower of the back propeller basically bend over and fall over they even have a it one of the examples they give is from a MacGyver episode. They have a helicopter landing on the roof of a building. Mm-hmm. The actors get out and they're a couple feet out of the airplane out of the helicopter when it starts to experience ground resonance and the pilot immediately takes off with the door still open so that he can get off the ground before it tears itself apart. Wow. And they left it in the episode. Wow. So look up helicopter ground resonance. If you want yet another reason why you should not fly in helicopters. It was super cool to get help, like those helicopter to be able to jump them. And then somebody told me what auto rotate was. Uh-huh. When you're like, you have to let emergency land a helicopter. And then I was like, oh, these are not places <laughs> I want to be. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You talk about um, like uh, hardcore. That's... Uh, auto rotate where basically you try and turn the airplane into like one of those seeds that falls down from the sky <laughs> an oak leaf a little yeah. seed pod it's basically like trying i mean yeah it's i'm not i know understand the the basic principle of it but um i'm not gonna bore people with my layman's understanding they are definitely they're an environment unto themselves mm-hmm. as far as physics is concerned though you're right yeah but basically the helicopter pilot in the midst of the engine failing and everything going horribly wrong and spinning, I'm sure at the same time, if the pilot is able to, you know, flip the, the right control at the right time, they can in theory land smoothly, but (laughs) it's like, yeah, it's like being rolled down a barrel and just before you, you know, you, you hit the brick wall, you, um, you pull the right lever, like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, auto-rotate. Another fun one to, to no. look up in case you want to do helicopter stuff. Next week is my choice again. Yes. Yay. <laughs> self-driving cars. Yeah. One of my yeah. favorite one of my favorite subjects. Why are you poo-pooing self-driving cars? I hate self-driving cars. How can you hate something you've never experienced? I enjoy driving. I don't want a car to drive for me. Do you don't do you, how do you feel about sharing the road with other self-driving cars? I don't mind sharing, but I don't want to be driven around everywhere. Wow. Okay, well maybe next week we'll finally get to argue. <laughs> Although it's hard to argue with what you want. Like I can't be like, no, that's not really what you want. But I, I have a I think I can think of a way that that's not really what you want. Maybe we can talk about the ethics of self-driving cars too. Do you, do you have any problem with the existence of self-driving cars? 
I don't have the problem with the existence, but I don't have a clear sense for where responsibility lies in some situations where self-driving cars will eventually find themselves. Okay. And in some cases, like, have already found themselves. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave the rest of that discussion up for next time. (laughs) (laughs) But I look forward to it because I'm really, really, really excited about self-driving cars. Wow. And I think they are going to be just one of the most life-changing things that humans will experience. Do you want a self-driving car? Absolutely. Wow. So bad. That's shocking. Oh, don't get me started. We'll talk about it next week. Okay. <laughs> on the Instep Podcast. Kristen, thanks so much for coming out. Thanks, Rob. This afternoon. And for postponing after my house exploded on Monday. Yeah, hopefully nothing like that happens again this week. Hopefully. Thanks for listening to the In Stuff podcast. If you'd like to join the discussion or see links to the things we referenced in today's episode, feel free to pop on over to instuffpodcast.com. That's the letter N, stuffpodcast.com. If you're enjoying the In Stuff podcast, check out my other podcast, Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. In each episode, we share amazing true stories from Alaska told by the Alaskans who experienced them. The New York Times recently called Dark Winter Nights the best winter podcast for storytelling lovers. Check out Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, wherever you get your podcasts, or at darkwinternights.com. The InStuff podcast is sponsored by ScratchBand. Just stop touching your face. Don't make me explain why anymore. It's gross. I don't care if you buy ScratchBand or come up with some other way to do it, but just quit. I mean... It's the easiest way I've found to quit touching my face, but, you know, whatever works for you. ScratchBand, join the evolution. More information at scratchband.life, also available on amazon.com.